NSH Poster Committee Chair. On behalf of the NSH, I am excited to share with you the 2019 NSH Poster Podcast Series. This program features live interviews with NSH poster presenters that shared their science and research during the 45th Annual NSH Symposium Convention. We hope each episode will give you the chance to learn more about the exciting work being done across the field of histotechnology, even if you are not able to be with us in New Orleans. Thanks to the new digital format of the posters, sponsored in part by the Journal of Histotechnology, NSH members also have access to a PDF copy of each poster via the block. Thanks for listening, and enjoy! I'm Elizabeth Chappella, and I'm sitting here with Maurice Shen, and we're talking about his poster, The Antibody Crisis, Leveraging Machine Learning for AI-Assisted Antibody Selection. So I took a look at the poster, and I thought it was pretty cool for, for me. Um, who We do a lot of IHC protocol development, so I think uh, the way you're approaching it is really, is, is really unique. So um, I took a look at, uh, at your poster, and why I think the topic is great. So why do you think this topic was so important? Right, because uh, first of all, I think it's, it affects a lot of people. I mean, we're here today because, obviously, if you're in pathology, you uh -huh. likely work with the antibodies, but it's, as you can imagine, this is a problem that affects more than just pathology. It's really anybody in basic biomedical research, at some point, they would likely have to use the antibodies, and this is a problem they have to deal with. Uh, and then, so I mean, I, I've done my PhD, uh, in neuro-pharmacology, so I've done a lot of staining, a lot of uh, Western blood. So I, I've been in the trenches, I've seen how difficult things can be. Um, so we just thought, you know, we want to be able to to make sure that our technology can be known by more people, so that ideally it will help them to find antibodies faster. Yeah. So um, when you were designing the software, did you, I know when we look um, for new antibodies, we go to Human Protein Atlas, we yes. go to Site Ab, yes. we go to BioCompare. Yeah. So there's certain um, websites that yep. we go to. <laughs> we look at publications. This software kind of does that for you. Exactly. So can you kind of explain how that yes. works? Yes. Then? Um, so so really, it's interesting because well, first of all, it's not my idea to start this, uh, this company. It was our chief scientist Tom, and he is also a grad student. Uh, we are in the same year, actually, but different department. Uh, and what happened was, at the end of his degree, he, you know, he was trying to wrap up his life experiments. He was doing a lot of flows, tons of antibodies all the time, and he just sort of got, you know, fed up in the sense that, you know, why are we looking at antibodies so inefficiently? I mean, he's tried so many of the uh, the platforms that you talked about, but one of the things that's really missing is the publication data, which is, I think, uh, what most people rely on the most. So that, you know, he saw as a, an area that's sort of. Uh, missing right now, so he wanted to fill that boy, and uh, that's how we got started. Um, and I guess in the end, it's uh, we want to be able to show that if the antibody has been used in the literature, sometimes it can be difficult for people to find that information because, as you can see, if you go on PubMed, we will do a search. Typically, you, you, you return with thousands of papers, and then most of the time, you're interested in only a specific context. Maybe you're only interested in this particular tissue, 
maybe only interested in, in rat or, or human or whatever reason. And that's when the search becomes difficult because that's when you know you might be looking through tons of paper, but only found a handful that's relevant for you. But that's time wasted. So that's where the inefficiencies I'm, I'm talking about. But whereas using our approach, we're using machine learning to pre-screen the literature so that we already know what's going on in each of those papers, so that we can organize the data in a more uh, manageable way. So that what happens is you know, somebody comes to our platform, they'll be able to be very specific about okay, this is the protein I'm looking at. This is the context. This is, I want to I see. I want to take a look at human tissue in liver, for example, and then we would then pull up the most relevant published data within seconds, and then this is where uh, we then leave it up to the users to evaluate the data based on their experience to see, okay, is, does any of these make sense, most sure that the antibodies that were used, I should trust, and so on. Does it in include not only the publications, but like images and things like that as part of the review process? Because right. I always, for me, when I'm looking at a publication, whether I'm going to select an antibody or not, the first thing I look at is the methods, yeah. and if the methods make sense, yes. and then I'll look at the That's pictures. So and if the images look good and the pictures look like they make sense, then that gives me a little more confidence that maybe I'm selecting the, the right antibody yes. because we can waste so much time yeah. if, by selecting the, the wrong antibody to start exactly, with. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's definitely a big part of it. Um, so that's why we wanted to make sure that, again, like I mentioned, if there is a, a data out there that match your interest, we make sure that we can find it already so we don't have to go through that initial screening process. And that's where you, the process you talked about, came in, you take a look at the images, and then from, say, the, the 20 images that you saw, maybe here are 10 that makes the most sense, and then this is where we dig into the deeper. Because we also link people back to the papers as well. So if, if they found any, any figure that they're interested, they're interested in, they can go straight back to the paper and take a look at the method directly from there. Uh, and then on each figure, we do show like the bigger legend as well as the antibody use, so that Essentially, what will happen is so that you see this list of thumbnail images, and then from there you click one, they will be, we, we um, blow it up, and then you can see the, the actual data with the figure legend, and then the antibody using that figure right beside it. So, this is where you can, in that single uh, screen, you'll be able to get enough, enough information for you to decide, okay, should I take a deep, deeper look at this particular paper? And if you do, then you can catch the paper. So is it, is it also able to, because we know we have uh, ma antibody manufacturers, but we also have suppliers, yes, and yeah. a lot of times when you're searching for a, a, a target or a new target, yes. you come up with the same antibody from multiple yes, sources. Exactly, yeah. So does it help you, guide you, like, oh, th this antibody from this company is actually the same yes, antibody yes, from another great, company? Great question, and I think a lot of people are not aware of it, unfortunately. I mean, maybe in pathology people are more aware of this issue because guys do antibodies all the time. But, um, there, that, that is a problem that you describe. It's a real problem, and uh, essentially, right now there really isn't a, like a direct method for you to, to to know that because then you have to go back to the manufacturer, you have to go through the vendors and get that information. Uh, and as you, as you can imagine, most people will be more hesitant about disclosing that. So what we have done is more of an indirect approach, where uh, what we have we collected. And then typically each vendors would have their own. So the image that it, it comes along with their, their, their product. So this, this, this is the image that they, they tested the data and then this is the product that, that, that belongs to them. Uh, and then what we have done is it's more of a thinking outside of the box. We, we collect all the vendor images from companies and then we sort of we rank them. Well, not rank them, but we run them through the algorithm. And then the algorithm has the ability to sort things based on similarity. And then what we can see is that uh, you find that sometimes for a given target, you might see products from five different companies that somehow have the same uh, image on their website. Uh, and then, so this is sort of an indirect way for us to see that hey, perhaps they, they inherited this image from the original manufacturer, and then they simply put it on the website and say that it's theirs, and then they label it on a different catalog. So then that's 
guess that's the extent that we can go to at this point. Seeing that, okay, be aware that these, for some reason, these vendors have the same image. So chances are they probably have the same antibody. So proceed with caution. Well, the other thing that I find is fascinating is that the fact that you can spend hours doing this research. And then you then you have to save spec sheets. You're trying to save papers. You're trying to save publications, yeah. and you're trying to organize all of this as part of your documentation for your antibody validation. Yes. And when essentially this software will do that for you, exactly, correct? Yeah, so yeah. you have that whole package of information yes. that you've spent hours trying to work on. That's right. Yeah. And then you compile it and put it all together for us, so we could actually add that to part of our validation package. Yes, is that exactly, essentially exactly. What you can and then do? what you can even do further is, is that we also have uh, functionalities to help you organize the information that you found on bench mm -hmm. sites. Because you might come across cases when, if you're looking at a protein that's commonly studied, you're looking through like tens of thousands of published images, right. and then you filter through, uh, you maybe you're left with like sixty. 70 figures, but of, of those, you likely only have maybe a handful that's interesting to you. So what we, we can do is that for each figure or each product that you found inside, uh, you can actually save them into different folders so that you can organize them by project, by proteins, by whatever that interests you, so that you can come back to it and here, here's a list of you know, data that we found from publications, and then this is the, the product that, that we use in those papers. And, yeah. Well, that's really cool. So I'm going to ask you a couple more questions. And so if somebody walks up and takes a look at your poster, um, what 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 are some of the things that they should be thinking about? Or what do you think that they want the takeaways from, from their, your poster and reviewing it? Right, right. So I think the first thing is that we want to, hopefully that if somebody is not really aware of the antibody crisis, this is the first thing that sort of strikes them and they realize, okay, we're going to be more careful about how we select antibodies because I remember when I was back in grad school, this is something that I was not trained on. It's something that people sort of take it for granted. Uh, you know, they show you, okay, this is how you do a worse this is how you do abstaining. Mm -hmm. This is the protocol, memorize it. But the critical step of finding the antibodies, nobody actually tells you how important yeah, that, you, how careful you should be. And then, so that's sort of like, I think for a lot of typically young scientists, they're not aware of this problem. They just thought, well, if it didn't work, maybe it's still a problem, maybe it's still a skill. But they don't really, really consider that it might be the antibody. So this is a problem, I think, for someone to make sure that if somebody's not aware of this issue, this is something that now they know. Uh, and then afterwards, ideally, after reading through uh, how we develop the technology and our approach, uh, we can somehow convince them that this would be a good resource for them to, to use. And, and I mean, we, we do keep it open access for academia. So all the universities, hospitals, they can access it completely free. And that's what we're sort of both the scientists are anyway. So uh, ideally, this will sort of drive them towards you know, using, trying this out, and then you know, see for themselves and see if this would be a good, good well, I, For me, I just think it's fascinating because I know we. Proper um, IHC protocol development is can be uh, difficult because I think one of the primary things to do and to do properly is selecting that primary antibody exactly. and biasing yourself to success and making sure because you can try multiple yep. and still not do very you know not be successful in doing and, and having a decent <laughs> protocol development. But if we have a tool, an easy tool to use to help you select at least a couple um, sources yes. for exactly. um, a, a particular target that that's going to save you a tremendous amount of time in the long run and actually help help you bias yourself for success and, and, and good protocol development. So if you had a follow-up project, you, what would that be? Um, so essentially we are already thinking about this. So uh, we started with the antibodies because it's probably the most commonly used research agent basic research. Uh, but there are other agents as well, and then what we can do is apply the similar concept where we're using machine learning to find out information from the papers 
So what we can do is we can find out, try to pull out as much data as possible and then relay that to different agents. So what we're uh, working on right now is to expand the analysis into RNAi products. So this is where we can combine that with the antibody data to see, hey, are there any KO and KD studies in the literature that can be used as validation uh, for the antibodies. Uh, and then conversely, we can also do that recombinant proteins for overexposure studies. So those are the two things we're working on. Uh, but over time, we are we already have several things on the pipeline, plasmids, CRISPR, CRISPR guides, all that stuff that we can, we can try and find information from the papers so that the, the, the readers or the scientists will have to do the paper search themselves. So um, if you wanted to share any tips with anybody, um, if they wanted to be considering a poster publication, do you have anything um, that you could share with a potential poster presenter? Like what's a, a good thing or tip to keep in mind? Or Right, right. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm in any place to, to make recommendations. I'm, I'm relatively junior in terms of research, uh, but uh, I would say images are a key, I would say, uh, to say, because that's when you walk, typically when you walk by the poster hall, you have so much information in front of you. Uh, and usually it's that one or two figures that really caught your eye. So I think that's definitely the key. And then uh, if, and it also, also depends on whether, how, how much time you plan to stay in your poster. Because if you're going to be there most of the time, then obviously you can make it more uh, image based and then you, you say the content. But conversely, if you're, you're going to be busy giving other talks and so on, maybe if you want to put some text information so that you just see somebody come by, went by and then they don't see you, they can still get enough information. So kind of a fine balance, it depends on how you want to approach it, I guess, yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much for your time. In conclusion, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the 2019 NSH Poster Podcast Series. Hope to see you in Reno. Cha-ching!